0: I don't want to be in a place where I don't have any skills and I don't have any background and I don't have any way to make money for myself. I see a lot of women executives that are stuck right now. They're at the VP level. They're not going to necessarily get to the C level in that company. So they get passed over for a promotion. So they end up going out and finding a job somewhere else. I'm Valerie Freeman. You're watching Tech Legacies.
1: Welcome to the Tech Legacies video podcast. My name is Fanny Dunnigan and I'm your host, where every episode I come to you featuring technology executives sharing their lessons, their advice, their challenges, their <laughs> ups and downs so that we can serve you, the technology professionals out there and help you grow your career and contribute to the technology community. So welcome to the show. Today, I have a very special guest that I've known for quite a few years now. And uh, her name is Valerie Freeman. She is the CEO of Bravo Tech, as well as Freeman Leonard. And I am so excited to chat with you today, Valerie.
0: Thanks, Fanny. I'm glad to be here.
1: Thank you so much for your time. We're just gonna dive straight into it. Okay. One question (laughs) I always love to start with is, throughout your career, What was the best piece of advice you've ever gotten?
0: (laughs) If it were easy, everybody would do it. (laughs) Ah. And there's another one. And that is better done than perfect (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you can spend a lot of time uh, looking at something over and over and over again and never get anything done. And so I've had to be less about perfection and more about getting things done. (laughs) Execution.
1: How'd you overcome that? that um, need for perfection. Cause I know I think a lot of, especially women struggle with that too. Mm-hmm. We want it like pristine um, and then it delays the process.
0: Right. Well, I'm, I'm a person who likes to get a lot of things done mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of, in a short period of time. And you, and I just had to learn, I, if I'm going to get all this done, all the things I want to do, I've got to quit being a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. So it took a while to sort of calm down about some things and not nitpick at everything. But eventually it got to the point where I was so busy and had so many things going on that I sort of lost that total perfectionism in the process. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, you are the CEO of multiple companies um, and both of them being um, staffing agencies and recruitment firms What are you kind of seeing in that recruitment landscape right now as we come out of the pandemic and into this new way of working? (laughs) What are some of your observations? Well,
0: I will tell you that it's made our job in recruiting a lot more difficult Mm. because now we've got this layer on top of everything else that people want and candidates want. Candidates want flexibility. And some companies are not willing today to give as much as they were. And so we have to find out, well, how, how much time do you want uh, out of the office? And from clients is, do you want someone to work two days in, three days in? You know, it's just, it, it's really challenging. And there's so many people that come in our office and they want another job because their company's making them come back to the office. It's really interesting to see all the people that really want to work from home and love it. Yeah. Now, there are those that don't like that. And uh, actually my company has some of them on our staff too <laughs> that don't want to work from home. So we, we're trying our best to accommodate as best we can uh, the needs of our, of our staff and also our candidates and our clients.
1: Mm-hmm. What is the perspective from the employer What are kind of like the top three things that you're seeing from your your technology employers right now?
0: What they want are people with communication skills. They can find technical skills or or technical skills that they can train. But it's really difficult to find those that have really good communication skills. So I would say that's probably the first one. And then somebody that um, takes initiative, someone has a great attitude, someone has a great growth mindset if you're trying to grow your company. So those are the things that, that uh, uh, companies are looking for. And uh, and it's, it's really always difficult to find really good people that fit in the right spot at the right time in your company. It, it really is a challenge. And so we've been doing this obviously for 40 years. So we know something about what's going on, but it changes over years with with what people want and what companies will settle for. Uh, and especially in this day and age when the unemployment rate is so low, um, you have to have some sort of a, of, of a bigger uh, outlook on what you're looking for and not be so picky, <laughs> quite mm-hmm. honestly.
1: And at the same time, we're seeing like the big tech firms, Microsoft, Salesforce, Google, like laying yes. off people yes. too. Right?
0: Yes, but those people are getting snapped up pretty quickly. Mm. So all of those mid size and smaller companies that were having a lot of trouble finding enough talent are able a little bit better to be able to, to find people. And the, the key, though, is, you know, when you work for a big firm, you have a lot of resources. When you work for a small or mid-sized company, you have to understand that maybe there's not as many resources that you have access to as you do in a big company. So there's that, some education involved there to make mm-hmm. sure that when a, someone comes from a great big company to a smaller company, that they understand the differences <laughs> and they can live with them.
1: Actually, speaking of that one of the shows that we've been doing is like this whole generation of Gen Z entering the workforce Mm -hmm. and um, and we got into kind of a discussion (laughs) around, do you go after the big brand names and Fortune 500 companies or should you kind of go in at the small, medium sized companies? What's your perspective on that? Oh, my perspective. is that you start in a
0: smaller mm-hmm. uh, company where you can learn everything about that company. You're not siloed into one one place. And you learn a lot about, uh, you have more access to leadership mm-hmm. because you're closer to the leadership. You have more access to everything that goes on in the company as opposed to one area of a company. Mm-hmm. So that that is my perspective. And it really depends on uh, what a person wants out of their career or what they think they want when they start. Mm -hmm. So I've seen a lot of younger people, they start one place and they end up in a totally different place. And, and so they, they need exposure to different, uh, different areas and different types of companies so they can make a good decision about where they want their career to go because it's going to change over time for sure.
1: (laughs) So along that career progression, Right. I also see a lot of middle management or supervisors mm-hmm. get stuck mm-hmm. in the middle, right? Because there's fewer positions at the top, right? Oh, and, absolutely. And a totally different skill set. Mm-hmm. Any advice around going from that mid level to senior level and then eventually the C suite?
0: If someone is stuck, they need to figure out why or if it's going to ever change. So they've got to look at who's in front of them. How long have they been there? Where are they going? How are they perceived in the company? Uh, and they also have to look at their boss. Is their boss promoting them? Is their boss talking great things about them? Because if they're not, then um, maybe something needs to, to, to change there. Uh, they either need to go to a different place in the company or they need to go out of the company. I see a lot of women executives that are stuck right now they're at the VP level they're not going to necessarily get to the C level in that company yeah. so they get passed over for a promotion so they end up going out and finding a job somewhere else where they could have that opportunity yeah. so it's it really it's it's so dependent on what's going on in that particular company at that time and also the relationships they have and their their boss really. Um, there are a lot of bosses out there that don't that, that don't want to see don't want to lose their second in command or third in command because they're dependent on them. So they don't want to hire another person. They don't want to train another person. They don't know how they're going to work out. So they try to keep that person down. And I see, uh, I've talked to several executive women in the last few months that are in that position and they're gonna be gone Mm -hmm. because they can't get anywhere with their boss. And that's a shame. That's really sad.
1: It is. Are there certain skills that you think needs to be developed to go from mid-level to senior level?
0: Well, certainly, again, communication Mm -hmm. skills and really the ability to get along with everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that they should be liked by everyone because that's not gonna ever be, be the case, but they need to be respected and they need to um, uh, develop those relationships all through the company from the lowest to the highest so that they have the respect uh, of, of their company and that's gonna get them further than, than just about anything. If, they, if they're considered uh, difficult to deal with and of course, that's a whole nother conversation about what that means, because <laughs> it's different for men and women. Um, then I think they have a, a good shot at it, But it really depends on what happens above them.
1: Yeah. So, Valerie, one of your passions, as I can clearly <laughs> tell, is nurturing that next generation of women in technology. And what are your observations of I mean obviously it's a generalization but as a whole what are you seeing and observing right now for women in technology and and some of your advice for them right now
0: okay well i do know that there's a lot of opportunity for women in technology more than i've ever seen ever ever (laughs) and so they need to know that and take advantage of the fact that um, they have opportunities that um, someone like myself never had Uh, when I started my company. But anyway, I would say that um, they need to look at their skill sets and their knowledge and keep building. Keep building their knowledge of the technologies that are out there. If if they're not going to use them, at least know about them and know what what they're all about. Know what's coming up in the future or what's going on with uh, nanotechnology and uh, robotics and, and so on. Um, They also need um, to have a little nerve about going in and talking to their boss about, hey, this is what am I good at? What do you think I'm good at? You know, they need to think about assessments. If their company doesn't provide assessments, there's plenty of them out there on the Internet where they can get a good handle on what they're like. You know, what what? What are they good at they need to know what they're good at and they need to play to their strengths but i guess the main thing that i would say is um learn how to develop really good relationships with everyone around them including um, their boss and and their co-workers and also um, be willing to go to their boss and ask them and talk to them about their career Uh, some bosses don't they say things like, if you go in and you say, "Well, you, well what do you think I'm good at?" They say, "Oh, you're, you're just fine, you're good at everything, da, da 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 da." And they don't really give them good constructive feedback. And so uh, how do you get that? Well, you could, you, hopefully you can get it from your, your coworkers. Mm-hmm. You can get it from the assessments. You can even get it from the professional associations that you're a part of, which is another thing that mm-hmm. I always tell younger people. Well, I'll tell everybody, I tell everybody this. Yeah. networking is really key. Your network, I guess, uh, as opposed to networking. Your network is your net worth. And it will take you probably further than just about anything. Mm-hmm. So uh, join those organizations that, uh, either, that, that you have a passion for and uh, get involved in them so that that would be my best advice for young people coming up is don't be afraid to ask for what you want and if you don't get it don't go crazy about oh i didn't get what i want i'm destroyed (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know you have to understand that you're going to have setbacks Mm -hmm. always there's going to be great times and really bad times Mm -hmm. and you just can't get give up you just go forth and Mm -hmm. and to the next goal for yourself.
1: Valerie, are you ever afraid?
0: <laughs> of course, mm. <laughs> all the time. I was probably more afraid in the beginning of my business than than I, than I am now. Uh, but yes, there's always something out there that, that scares me about the business or about uh, my personal life or relationships or whatever. Um, but not, not so much anymore about being afraid of things.
1: What would, you, what would your advice be to, to overcome some of those things? Because sometimes fear paralyzes us from going up to ask the boss something, right. from going to a networking event, um, <laughs> from trying something new or doing a career pivot. Like all these things, it just like paralyzes us. Right? I know,
0: I know. Well, one of the things that I suggest is there's so many great. Podcast and um, like this one, <laughs> like this one, <laughs> where you can hear stories of people who have been through the same things you're going through, and those are helpful. Those were always helpful to me uh, when I re- read about people that that uh, uh, have one one problem or another, and they they overcome them lot of things are way worse than what i was dealing with and they still were able to overcome those so hearing those stories and, and seeing how other people and knowing that other people have the same problems that you do that was probably the best thing is knowing i'm not alone everybody has these issues and if you if you know that and internalize that that helps it really does help so fear is something I don't know i sometimes i agree to do things because i'm scared Mm. and i make myself do them because of that very thing and i guess my thought is well what's the worst thing that can happen to me (laughs) you know somebody says something bad about me (laughs) so what i've had people say bad things about me (laughs) all my career so you can't worry about that you just have to understand that unless it's life-threatening it doesn't matter
1: What would you say is kind of like the toughest challenge that you've had to face in your career and how did you overcome it okay
0: i think the toughest challenge is um just how to keep things going uh how to keep the companies growing how to all around growth and um and and making the company not just about me Mm -hmm. um because in the beginning, it was about me. I did everything. And then as I hired people, then I had to be thinking about what is my role going to be and how do I learn to do all these things? Because I'd never done that before. I was a teacher. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had no business experience. And so if you have that growth mindset, you, you just learn how to do these things. You can't be afraid to learn new things and try new things. And some of them worked well and some of them were disasters. And so you just have to pick yourself up and keep going. So um, I would think that that was the worst thing is just trying to, how where do I go with this company? There's a million different ways I could go with it. There's different niches, there's different geographies, there's raising money, uh, there's all kinds of things. And and that's really been the, the toughest thing is where do I take this company?
1: And how do I do it? So do you sit with those questions or (laughs) what how do you get unstuck then?
0: Well, for me, part of it, of course, the company part was just listening to employees. What do you want to do? What 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 do you think we should be doing? And uh, and then reading and listening and I have advisors and friends. Uh, and clients, a lot of clients are really key in that they say, well, why, uh, why, why don't you do this? Or it would be great if you had this particular service. And it would be great if you could also service our customers in X state. You know, So you listen to all these people and pretty soon something comes up that, that floats your boat <laughs> and that you want to pursue.
1: I wanna pause real quick here and give a special shout out to one of our sponsors, CG Infinity. I've worked with them for several years now and I can truly say that they have one of the best workplace cultures that I've ever experienced. And they specialize in a variety of industries, especially energy, utilities, and financial services. And they serve them through their Salesforce, cloud, as well as customer experience services. So thank you, CG Infinity. And I hope you'll support them as they have supported us here at the podcast. You mentioned being starting off your career as a teacher. Yes. <laughs> Tell us how you get from teacher to CEO of multiple companies. Um, yes. Obviously it took time, lots of time. Uh, yes, it did. <laughs> um, but was there something instrumental? Oh, yes. What yes. was that? Um,
0: well, after graduate school, I moved to Dallas with my husband, and I went to work uh, teaching in the business division at El Central College. And I was there when word processing technology first came into Dallas okay. businesses. And of course, being a business teacher, I wanted to buy this equipment and have it in the classroom. And, uh, and so that's ultimately what I did because I knew it was gonna be revolutionary. I don't know why I knew that, <laughs> I really don't, but I just knew it. And so I learned all I could about the equipment, and there was a, it was hardwired at the time, and then it went to mag cards and floppy disks and so on. And, um, and I took on the role of uh, writing the first curriculum to train word processing managers and supervisors in, in the DCCD, the Dallas, college is what it's called now. And I also had work experience program where I helped students find jobs, set goals on the job with their managers. So, um, so it was sort of a natural transition to me. I love the technology, I love consulting, I love finding these students jobs, and I was tired of teaching. So I, I thought, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this. So I left the district to, to do this business, to train, place, and consult, in this new emerging technology, and people were scared to death of it. I mean, you, people are scared now. They're scared of, of artificial intelligence and all of that. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine back in the day when nobody had any facility with computers and they were scared to death. Mm-hmm. And so part of <laughs> my role was calming everybody down and, mm-hmm. and telling them you know, how, to, how they can use this, this technology for the betterment of themselves and their companies. So that segued very quickly into what I then realized was the same thing was happening with commercial artists. Now there was uh, there was desktop publishing, which was very basic, but now there was software where these commercial artists could compl- could apply their trade on a computer, so in animation and um, and illustration and so on. So I started Art Squad, which was the same thing: train, place, and consult in this new emerging technology for commercial art. So I started Art Squad, and then later that became Freeman Leonard to take advantage of all the marketing jobs, and then Bravo Tech, which is the higher-end IT jobs, Mm -hmm. and Answer Team. I also own another company called Answer Team, Mm -hmm. although it's really more now, for me, it's more of an investment because I'm not on the board anymore. Uh, I started it with three other people, and... And we grew it. It's been very, very successful. And we use a lot of technology in in that business as well. Mm -hmm. So that's how it got started. And then in the meantime, I had started um, a computer-aided design and drafting business, a computer training center, a document processing business, (laughs) and a bank. So, and and a a venture firm uh, to uh, invest in women-owned companies. So I've done a lot of different things along the way
1: that's sort of related to everything else that I've I've done. We had a conversation before this about boldness. Mm -hmm. It takes boldness, courage to do all that, Mm -hmm. right? Um, (laughs) If 21-year-old Valerie... (laughs) were to see you now, what would she say? She'd say, wow, girl,
0: you're amazing. (laughs) Because I never thought I would do any of this, really. I thought I'd be a teacher for the rest of my life. In fact, I was thinking about going back to graduate school to get a PhD to teach in a university. And then of course I got the technology bug and that was the end of that. So uh, as I said, you know, you never know what what's going to present itself to you that you can take it advantage of? And um, and so I look back now and I think, wow, you know, this is I've come a long way, but I've also um, I've also had to it's been tough. It's been hard. It's really been hard.
1: Where does the boldness come from?
0: I don't know. I've always been really independent and didn't really never wanted anybody to tell me what to do. Uh, So you can imagine my parents had an issue (laughs) growing (laughs) up. And so um, I think it was just part of my DNA that I like to do my own thing. I like to be independent. And, of course, I came up when women were just feeling their oats and and being able to start businesses. And and I wanted to be independent Mm -hmm. of a husband. or anyone to make money for myself, that was really, really important to me. Why? Because it's, uh, I don't want to be um, in a place where I don't have any skills and I don't have any background and I don't have any way to make money for myself. Mm. And I know a lot of my uh, friends that I met during those times that were starting businesses at the same time felt the same way. Mm. Some of them were divorced and realized that they had to make a living and some of them were like me that just wanted my own money and not that my husband, um, you know, cared about that. It's just that that was me. That was for me.
1: Any critical lessons that you've learned from running your companies? Lots, (laughs) (laughs) maybe what served you well the most?
0: Um, um, I think that what served me well was the fact that I don't give up. I just, and and obstacles don't bother me so much. I mean, I know they're out there. I've been faced with lots of them, and I just get through them. And and now I know, after all these years, that I can get through just about anything uh, that's not (laughs) Uh, life-threatening, pandemic being probably the biggest one uh, mm-hmm. recently, but I've been through lots of downturns, lots of recessions. 2008 was really tough. Um, and I've, I just have always been able to figure out a way to get through them. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know what, what that's called. Resilience, I guess. Mm-hmm. I have a lot right. of re- resilience. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so if you have that, you kind of have to, you sit down when you're in a terrible spot, you really sit down and think about how can I get out of this? You know? <laughs> how can I make it better? And, and it'll come to you. And then of course I had employees and they would help they always, always helped as well. I mean they were great about um, patting each other on the back and giving each other's high fives to get through things. and we all, we all work together to get out of, out of a bad spot.
1: There's a great um, I listened to a, a businesswoman called Marie Forlio. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she has this great term. She says, everything is figure outable. Yes, I agree. <laughs> she with created that, that word figure outable. <laughs> Everything's figure outable
0: I yeah. agree completely with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's true.
1: Now, at this point of your career, you give back a ton to the community. You're you're on <laughs> like it seems like you're on every board in Dallas Fort Worth area and uh, and giving back uh, I'd love for you to maybe share with the audience like some of the key organizations that you're giving back to and and let's use this platform to to give them a shout out. Um, Sure. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, of course, the Girl Scouts uh, is one of my favorites, and especially now that they have the STEM camp here, which is fantastic. And uh, I chaired the board there for a number of years and during their 100th anniversary. Uh, I love what the Girl Scouts is doing. I was a Girl Scout. I sold Girl Scout cookies. (laughs) And so uh, uh, I really enjoy the the Girl Scouts, and I love what they're doing. I love what uh, Alliance of Technology and Women is doing. I I really sort of resurrected their advisory council a few years ago and, and chaired it for a while and then, of course, gave up that role to Barry. Shirky. And, um, but I'm still on, on the advisory council. I love what those women are doing. They're learning leadership skills and they're providing all sorts of, of, uh, of training to, uh, up and coming women in technology. And they're also upskilling those that are coming back into the workforce. So they do a lot of great things. I love, um, the Dallas College. I think uh, I was on the board of their foundation for many years and chaired the board of their foundation. And um, of course, I can't say enough great things. Not only do they provide all of this fabulous education, but it's so inexpensive. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it just just boggles the mind how how good. And it's very current uh, too. It's very current, right? and mm-hmm. you know they try they try to keep up with the technology, which nobody can keep up with. I think these yeah. days. Yeah. And um, uh, foundations, I was on the board of the Texas Women's Foundation back when it was Dallas Women's Foundation, um, the Dallas uh, the Dallas Foundation, which is a community foundation. I was on their board for a number of years. Um, and of course, in the beginning, I was a member of the National Association of Women Business Owners, which was the first organization for women business owners in Dallas. And it, it provided me with a just a wonderful group of women who who are struggling like i was in the beginning and not being able to do so many things because we were excluded because we were women mm-hmm. and um and it's still in existence today although i don't do very very much with it now and also the women's business council of the southwest which is all women business owners that get together are you a member of, the, of that I'm you're not. not a member of
1: no, I didn't know oh. about it. Oh my goodness, See? girl. everything that you, I learned. <laughs> you need to be a member. You okay. Need, you
0: need to, uh, okay. uh, and they certify you as a woman-owned business, and uh, and they network not only with each other, but also with major corporations mm. that support their efforts as, as well. So um, nice. I love uh, um, uh, Kelly Flowers, Women Leading Technology. Yes. She has just been amazing. Um, I also... Um, Love the woman who started the um, oh now you know I can't believe I can't uh, I'm just drawing a blank. It's for minorities and cybersecurity, mm. and uh, she's done an amazing job of uh, putting together this whole program for minorities and cybersecurity all on her own. Gotten wow. sponsors, got I mean it's just incredible what yeah. what these women are doing for 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 minorities and women in in technology. So it's important to me, I've always been involved in professional associations and um, community work always. And um, for me, for one thing, it's a diversion (laughs) from the day-to-day running of the company, right? And so I have to get away from that sometimes. And for me, it's fun. I enjoy going to a meeting and learning and meeting people. Uh, The network is important. Uh, but really, in order to really get from networking, you have to give, too. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I know that's important and I try to impress upon people how important the network is. And, yes, it does take time. Mm-hmm. And you can't always do everything, and especially if you're working and you have a family and, mm-hmm. you know, you you, you got to watch your time. Mm-hmm. But there's always something you can do outside your company, and you really need to do that. When in, I guess it was in 2008 when we had that terrible recession, Mm -hmm. a lot of my executive women friends were getting laid off. They had no network. They didn't know how to use a computer. I mean, it was just awful. So I started um, a group called C-Suite and we met Mm -hmm. on a regular basis and I brought in speakers Mm -hmm. to help them with their resume and their bios and teach them skills about the internet and their, all of that. And um, so that was really, really helpful. And I um, tried to impress upon them, don't ever let this happen to you again. Yeah. You know, it's great that you're, you know, heads down doing great in your job, but it's not enough.
1: Mm-hmm. And I still remember my conversation with Kelly. One of the things we talked about is when you educate a girl, when you uh, lift up women, it has multiple effects on the generations afterwards. Absolutely. Because it, it does. then spreads. Yes. And then to your point, mm-hmm. it, and then they give back to the community, and yeah. then it spreads the word, and then what that rising tide lifts all boats, right?
0: Absolutely, it does. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I've noticed that um, the women I know in all these groups that have daughters, yes. uh, I say, well, what, what does your daughter want to do? Well, they, they're all interested in technology now. Not all of them, but a lot of them are. And they yeah. wouldn't be interested if it wasn't for their mothers so yes you're right about lifting all boats (laughs) Mm.
1: final question since it is tech legacies (laughs) what do you want your legacy to be well
0: i i would say that someone i want my legacy to be someone that that has made a difference in other people's lives especially women in technology especially women in general i guess uh, because i um face so many obstacles uh, from being a woman back in the day and how difficult it was uh to break through and how we really had to um me and and all of these other women had to really face some um nasty comments and pushbacks uh trying to get where we wanted to be and trying to make people realize that we have intelligence and we have drive and We have it all and we, we want the opportunities. So I want women to have opportunities, um, just like everybody else does, because I think they're capable of, of just as much as, as our male population.
1: (laughs) I love that. Well, thank you personally. (laughs) When I see you, I see what's possible and then it helps me dream bigger and do more. Oh, good. So thank you for paving that the way for me- not just me, but <laughs> well- <laughs> for a lot of other women in the community. Well, great. Um, I always believe that like, if, if I could just see what's possible, because maybe I don't know what I don't know, mm-hmm. and I don't know enough maybe to dream bigger, right? But mm-hmm. when I see other women doing big, big things, then it's like, well, I can do that well, and it's possible yeah. they've shown it, me that right, it's possible right
0: well in the so. girl scouts we have a saying you can't be what you can't see and uh and and I believe that and it's it you see it every day I mean you see these s- women playing soccer how many young women have they inspired to yes. play soccer now not all of them are going to be olympic but a lot of them could be
1: yeah. so yes Thank you for your time, Valerie. Well, thank you,
0: thank you, Fanny. I really appreciated you asking me, and I enjoyed it. And I uh, have so enjoyed uh, getting to know you. Absolutely,
1: many more to come. Many more. (laughs) And thank you, our audience. Thank you for tuning in every episode. And listening to this advice we hope my goal is that you can take away things that you can apply to your own careers your own personal life your development and so that we can all grow and bring that heart to our technology communities and build the community together so thank you for listening and uh, if you are watching this on youtube be sure to like comment and subscribe to our youtube channel tech legacies. And if you're listening to this on our podcast channels, definitely subscribe and leave us some feedback and tell us how we can do better and other questions that you want our technology executives to answer. So thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. At Tech Legacies, we're all about helping technology professionals grow and succeed in their careers by sharing the advice of top technology executives. If you're looking to take your career to the next level and become a technology executive yourself, we have an exciting program to tell you about. It's called the Tech CXO Excellence Program by Tech CXO Launchpad, and they are our partners. They're offering an immersive, multimodal program developed and taught by current and former CIOs and CTOs who are passionate about building the next generation of C suite technology executives. And you'll experience a full immersion into the C suite world and also get to collaborate, network, and experience capstone style projects with other professionals. And this is all while benefiting from face-to-face interactions in person with industry guest speakers. It is exclusively for a new level of C-suite executives and C-level direct reports and second directs who are earmarked for succession planning and career growth. To join their waitlist, register your interest at www.techcxolaunchpad.com. That's techcxolaunchpad.com. This program has everything you need to take your career to the next level.